Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, and welcome to Lifehacker. This week, we are talking about the biggest changes to Google Maps for Android, T-Mobile's crazy new jump plan, how to make the most of the Steam summer sale, and we're also answering your questions about securing your computer with a flash drive, reading PDFs on the iPad, and organizing your giant mess of bookmarks. And as always, we'll be going through our favorite tips and downloads of the week. I'm Whitson Gordon. Adam Dotchis is on vacation this week, but we've got both Alan Henry and Thorne Klosowski joining us via Google Hangouts. What's up, guys? Hey. How's it going? Alan, you're muted. There we go. What? <laughs> no, we're good. What? Sorry. Um, sorry. Google Hangouts. <laughs> now that I have this mechanical keyboard, whenever I type, Google Hangouts is just like, muting, we're muting you, you're too loud. Um, all right, so let's jump right into the news. The first big thing that happened this week is Google Maps finally released its new uh, new Android app, which kind of has all of the changes we saw at Google I.O., um, but now available on Android. So things like seeing local traffic incidents, um, finding new places with those explore cards and things like that. Alan, have you played with this at all? Yeah, I have a little bit. And uh, the traffic is actually really, really cool. I like being able to see. Um, I mean, you could always kind of add a traffic layer uh, to to maps, even with the old version, but it's really cool to have it right up front now. And, um, and to have all of the previous destinations that I've searched, like right there, that's also really cool. That's cool. Um, my favorite feature is the ability to actually search for a contact's name and go to their address. I, it's been boggling my mind that this hasn't, that this isn't in there. It's been driving me absolutely nuts. Um, so that's nice to have that working. Um, and uh, they, they took away offline map caching, right? Yeah, I mean, there was some there was some blowback because I mean, they said a lot of people they get the new app, they'd realize some of the stuff like starred places um, uh, were was gone or were changed to like favorite places and latitudes going away and uh, and then offline maps was the big thing that people were like, well, well I can't save maps offline anymore. But um, there was this little Easter egg that if you go to if you zoom in on the area of the map that you want to save offline and you go to the search bar and type okay maps like kind of like okay glass it would <laughs> save that it would it would cache that to your phone uh it you know it's all it's it was probably meant to be an easter egg and they didn't actually mean to take out the ability to save offline maps but they just uh they said something on google plus this morning that they're going to bring it back they're like adding a button back like today <laughs> to uh save offline maps again that's good um yeah so we you know, won't have to deal with the okay google stuff for too long Um, (laughs) unless you like it yeah right well yeah and i i never really used that feature of maps but it's nice to have i've had enough situations where i've been up in like the california mountains i've like been able to navigate up there but then not navigate back home and it's like (laughs) ah come on or something like that um all right let's move on um the other big what this this was kind of a story from last week and this week but both twitter and at&t came out with kind of new 
tracking schemes to market to you and stuff. And you guys both both covered those. So, Alan, why don't you start by telling us about Twitter's new online tracking? Yeah, so Twitter said that they are, quote-unquote, experimenting with new advertising methods. And what that really means is that they're going to start – they've officially said they're going to start doing something that they had – toyed with a year ago which was tracking you after you're done using twitter so you can be on twitter and they can be you know kind of keeping an eye on what you're doing to target advertisements to you but now what they're saying they're going to do is they're going to follow you after you leave twitter using tracking cookies uh to to like see the other brands that you visit the other sites that you go to and then they're going to use that to personalize ads on twitter um they also say that if you don't want them to do that, then they will not uh, sell that data, not use that data to target ads. Uh, they didn't say they won't they won't track you, but they did say that they won't use that data for ads. Uh, and if you have do not track turned on in your browser, uh, Twitter says they will honor that. So um, we so kind of run it down. How to? Oh, go ahead. So I, I, that's what I was going to say. It's a setting in Twitter, or you have to turn off do not track in your browser. No. Well, I would. Personally, I would tell people to turn on Do Not Track in your browser. Now, granted, there's controversy around that, but uh, in the Twitter settings, if you're a Twitter user, you just go to your Twitter settings and uh, go to account settings, and there are two checkboxes there for, like, use uh, my experience to – here, let me read it exactly. It says to uh, – there it is. It says um, tailor ads based on information shared by ad partners and tailor Twitter based on my recent website visits. Okay. Those are the two that you want to make sure are unchecked. Cool. All right. Um, and so then a week later, AT&T came out with also a new tracking thing, right, Thorin? Yeah. So they're basically taking all of the information that they've been collecting about you for ever, I'm assuming, um, and anonymizing that anonymizing that that's not a word to that's say word. right okay um and then turning it <laughs> into and then selling that off to advertisers for you know analytics and all that kind of junk that they do advertising for um so nothing really too surprising there i guess the surprising thing is that they're selling it to third parties now is the difference um and not just tracking what you're doing and where you are like they have been forever and will continue to do to make cell phones work <laughs> um <laughs> But so you can opt out of the selling it to third parties or to advertisers. Uh, the weird thing is, is that I wasn't able to find it and no one in the discussion below was able to find a direct link from AT&T, like when you're logged into your account. So you kind of have to go to our post and click the link at the end of it to get directly to the opt out page. That's sketchy. Yeah, it might, it might be fixed by now, but when you're actually logged into your account, it's really hard to find where this privacy setting is. Um, so if you want the direct link, it's in our post. It's a lot easier. You can just click opt out and you're done. Wow. All right. Well, thanks. Um, okay. And lastly, also concerning cell phone providers, T-Mobile launched their new jump plan uh, this week, which is – or announced it this week, which is essentially a, a cell phone plan kind of going off their, their contract-free plan that they announced a little while ago that lets you upgrade your phone twice a year by just by trading in your old phone and i think it costs ten dollars a month and you also get um like damage insurance or whatever with that so if you already pay for like insurance for your phone you're basically now also able to trade in your phone ever uh twice a year to whatever to the newest phone that's out 
Um, so it just costs extra money, but it's nice if you're one of those people that is constantly upgrading anyway. Now it doesn't necessarily cost you hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then there's a lot of discussion kind of in the post and in the comments of the post about the, the, the cost effectiveness of it for different situations. So I highly recommend going and, and checking that out. We could have a big discussion about it here, but we won't. <laughs> Um, and I don't think any of our, any of you guys even on T-Mobile? Nope. This is not something any of us have personally considered for ourselves anyway. No, I also hate upgrading my phone. I hate it. That's why I still have an old iPhone. Yeah, I can't stand upgrading my phone. But you have an iPhone. Upgrading is like the easiest thing in the world. No, mine's like my screen stopped working and like nothing's working anymore and I'm really mad that I'm going to have to upgrade to the next one when it comes out. Why? I'd rather, I don't know, I'd rather keep this thing until like it's... It, like not working at all. <laughs> oh, so you just is it just that you don't want to have to pay the money to upgrade? Because that's a legit concern. Yeah, it's the money plus just dealing with iTunes because, like, updates and all that junk. It's yeah, but it's so easy. Unlike Android, where it's like, oh, now I have to like. I mean, you could maybe titanium backup some of it, but for the most part, it's like you have to set the phone up from scratch. Whereas with yeah. iPhone, it's just like plug it into iTunes, sync, done. Fair enough. You know, in theory. <laughs> not that i've ever upgraded an iphone before because i only had one for like six months but anyway all right let's move on to our top stories of the week which and this first one is also kind of news because this steam summer sale started today or rather Yay. thursday if you're listening to this podcast later which is super exciting for anyone who remotely likes video games because it means you can get all sorts of games for insane discounts but um navigating the sale is a little tricky if you want to get the lowest possible discounts because they'll put games on sale for 50% off one day and then a couple days later it might be 75% off for eight hours. And if you buy all your games on day one and then you see a bunch of them go down even more, you're like, oh, crap. Um, so, Alan, you have been working tirelessly <laughs> on a, a post that basically runs down everything you need to know about how the summer sale works and how to get the most for your money. Yeah, there's there's actually some some kind of complicated calculus around like how how valve does their discounts and which which kinds of things will give you the best uh, the best bang for your buck um so there are some very, pretty simple rules to remember though uh, so that like, we put them all in the post and there's there's a really cool flow chart that one of our readers uh, t- uh sent it over to us that's in the post as well but the bottom line is if you see a game that's on sale um at like whatever the normal discount for the, the whole sale is don't buy it. If it's a daily deal or a flash sale, buy it because that's the deepest discount you're going to get. If it is a, um, if it's in a bundle like a publisher bundle, you can buy that. That's fine too because that's also probably going to be the deepest discount you can get. But uh, the the daily deals and the flash sales are the deepest cuts Steam's going to give you. Uh, other than that, uh, if you like, if you miss a daily deal or a flash sale. Hold off, wait until the last day because Steam usually does like an encore sale of their most popular discounts over the course of the week. So, uh, but so and so games that are on regular discount, like right now, I think The Witcher is on sale for fifty percent off, and that's on my wish list. Should I should wait till that goes on a flash sale? The fifty percent off discount isn't going to go away at all that's for the right. entire sale, right? Because and that's the that's the other beautiful thing was that if the Witcher is on sale for 50% off right now and it's not a daily deal or a flash sale, it's going to be 50% off through the whole sale. Okay. So if it doesn't make it to a daily deal or a flash sale, just grab it on the last day. You're still going to get it for 50% off. That's awesome. Um, have you guys bought any games yet? I've already got one on my wish list. 
Nope. No, I just I just filled up my I filled up my wish list. <laughs> my... I'm already getting the email reminders that are like, you know, hey, a game on your wish list is on sale. Come spend money. The number so... one game on my wish list was Bioshock Infinite, which was on daily deal today. So I got that. Um, what are the, what other games do you guys have on your wish list? I have Lauren, uh, I, I have I sadly have everything I want right now. It's that I paid full price for probably. Lame. I know I'm an oh, idiot. Oh man. I also have a Mac, so there's only like eight games that I want. <laughs> Portal 2? Yeah, it was all a bunch of indie games. It was basically FTL and Hotline Miami, and I have those. Oh, Hotline Miami is such a great game. It's like 250 right now. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got Bioshock Infinite's on my wish list. And you Jeez, didn't buy so. it today? I am buying it today. It's still on sale. It's still on sale. I still got time. <laughs> you only got to the end of the day. I did have a tr- the first hour. It just wasn't connecting for me. I had, I just, like went, took a shower, came back, and it started working because the steam is steam store is under such heavy load. I'm I'm also really uh, jazzed about um oh, what's it called Rogue Legacy. It's kind of like you know procedurally generated roguelike that looks really really awesome. It's like uh, the Castlevania style on one, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I'm that guy who, I mean, XCOM Enemy Unknown came out like, like oh. the holidays, and I still haven't played it, and it's like twenty bucks right now. Everyone should buy XCOM, right? Buy it on the iPad too. Buy all of the versions of XCOM. Give them guys, all your money. I can't. Okay, we have to stop talking about this because I already have eight games on my wish list, and I can't have you guys adding more to that because I'm already oh. worried that I'm not going to be able to play all of these games before the next summer sale. Just buy XCOM and just play XCOM for the rest of your life. You'll be fine. <laughs> It's like Civilization, basically. You only need that one game. <laughs> That's the only game. It's the last game you will ever play. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, all right. Moving on. Thorin, you took a look at some of the best apps that make use of the most boring features on your phone in yeah. clever ways. Uh, my personal favorite on this list and one of my personal favorite apps in just general ever is Awareness. Which uses the mic, oh, I don't have one on these headphones. It uses the mic on your iPhone headphones that you use for like phone calls to pick up the sounds around you. It also uses the, the mic on your phone. Oh, it does? Okay. I believe so because I don't have a headset and I've used this app before. Okay. Um, yeah, I always have it in my pocket so it probably wouldn't work that well. But anyway, um, it, do, it uses your mic to pick up the sounds around you so when you're listening to music really loudly, it can grab sounds of cars passing you or at the doctor's office if they're calling your name, you know, whatever whatever instance where you need to hear what's going on around you, it grabs it and you can still have your music cranked up super loud. That's so genius. Yeah, I use it when biking and jogging all the time. So so this is like a list of apps that do something like that. Take a, mm-hmm. take a basic feature of your phone and like twist it into something really clever. Yep. And I think the other like big one that we talk about all the time is sleep tracking apps, um, which I just kind of lumped all together. Because that's still one of the most clever uses of the accelerometer I've seen. Even though there's yeah. like six of them and they all do the same thing, it still blows my mind like th- that it works. Yeah. For those that don't know, it's you just I think you just put it on your bed, right? And it tracks when you're tossing and turning to wake you up at the perfect time. Yep. Because um, as you toss and turn, it moves the accelerometer in your phone, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued 
at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, cool. Let's move on. Our last top story was um, one that I wrote this week, and I'm like hesitant to even talk about because it was so ridiculously controversial. And some people just also missed the point of the article, but I'm going to try and go through the main point very briefly here. I have been thinking about this for a long time. It's I think that a lot of people on the internet have become way too reliant on reviews for products. Whether it's professional reviews, whether it's reviews on Newegg and Amazon, whether it's just what people say in forum posts, we've kind of gotten to this point where it's um, like there's this mob mentality around certain things. Like, oh man, if you want a pair of headphones, this is the pair of headphones that everyone in the world should own. And it's just somehow floats up in the internet because more and more popular and all of a sudden it's so hyped up that everyone says that this is the pair of headphones you should buy or everyone says that this is the, you know, computer monitor you should buy, you know, or something like that. Um, and there's, I think a lot of people have stopped, have stopped trying things for themselves. And I kind of learned about this when I bought these headphones was I bought that pair of headphones that everyone said was so good, the uh, Audio-Technica M50s, which are a great pair of headphones, but just did not match um, the kind of music I listened to very well and didn't really match my preferences. And there's no way I could have really known that without trying them side by side with this pair, which of the ones I was looking at was the one I was least interested in until I heard it side by side with the others. And I discovered that it was the one I really wanted. So... um. It was, so that was it. It was just kind of a little opinion piece that, that online reviews are great, but they're step one in a process in a lot of cases, especially when it's something that's so personal and subjective like audio or, or things like that. And I kind of talked a little bit about um, a strategy that I have where I, I go online and I might buy a couple of pairs of headphones from a site like Headroom. Um, that's kind of designed, that has this really good return policy where they want you to try these things out and then, you know, try them out side by side and return the ones that you don't like. And people kind of flipped out at that, um, saying that, you know, that drives up prices for the retailers and stuff like that, which is, um, I think that's a little bit up for debate, especially when you, if you order from a place that has like a 15% restocking fee, that's how they absorb that cost. And usually I'm perfectly happy paying a restocking fee. I consider that like a tax on the ability to try out these products sometimes, you know? Um, and that's what I did with these the mechanical keyboards that I bought. I bought two of them because I had no idea which of the switches I would like better. And, you know, even trying it out in the store, I wouldn't have known because those mechanical blue switches are great. As soon as my girlfriend got home, I was super self-conscious about how loud they were. <laughs> and I knew that that wasn't the keyboard I wanted to keep, even though it felt really good. So I don't know. Anyway, that was... That was something, if you want to argue about the merits of buying things and returning them, you can go do that in the post. There's already a lot of debate in there, back and forth. Um, but the main point, that that's not the main thing I wanted to get across. The main thing was online reviews are great, but for a lot of things, they're step one. They're not, yeah. the, they're not the end all be all. I mean, back in the old days of the internet, we would all just go to the store and play with things and then order it online. Dude, <laughs> I I would do that more, and I, I do do that. The problem is, is like, um, I, you know, I was looking around for a store that would let me try out headphones, right. for example, and even in Los Angeles, 
the general consensus was there aren't really any good places that have a good enough selection. Yeah, they've, a lot of those places have gone out of business. All of ours are weird high-end shops that have really weird hours. Like They're open from like 2 to 4 on Tuesdays. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, that's no joke. That's a problem. Around here, a lot of the stores are uh, manufacturer-specific. So like, yeah. you can go to the Sennheiser store or the, the Bose store. But you can't try Bose and Sennheiser side by side. You know, it's crappy like that. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a problem that I've come across with certain, um, especially more niche products like high-end headphones, mechanical keyboards, things like that. Um, you know, so anyway. And that's probably the general rule too, right? I mean, I think I just trust online reviews for anything that's like $20. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or, or like, things that you know. that aren't that, you know, like I'll trust, if it, I read, and I'll go to the wire cutter and be like, okay, what's the best flash drive around? Obviously, right. that's not something that I'm going to be like, this flash drive doesn't fit my needs as well as it does everyone else's because it's right. because it's the same. It's just faster. <laughs> yeah. um, or even like, you know, like a refrigerator. Right. Like I'm, I'm probably not going to – I mean, refrigerators are all different, but I don't know if I would <laughs> be as picky about that yeah. as I would headphones or yeah, something like that. I don't think like I would care. So anyway, all right. Um, let's move on to some questions. This is a question that I think, Alan, you're going to be able to answer. Peter writes, I'm a pretty avid user of Google two-factor authentication for my iPhone, the, 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 the Google Authenticator app for LastPass, Dropbox, and Google services, but was curious if there is any significant added benefit of buying a YubiKey or installing Sesame on a USB drive and using it as well. Besides convenience, does it provide any additional security? So I was thinking more about this question, um, and... Besides convenience, no. <laughs> it doesn't provide any additional security they, because what you're really doing is it's still two-factor authentication no matter how you look at it. Um, however, there is some convenience that may be worth considering. Like with a YubiKey or, um, or a USB key with Sesame on it, you can have more than one key that will serve as that second authentication factor. So you can put one in a safe deposit box or give one to like your loved ones or something in case something happens to you, things like that. But it doesn't add any, any additional like strength to your password or anything like that. No, not at all. Uh, I actually did a post not too long ago about how to turn a USB key into um, that second factor using Sesame. Uh, I did it for LastPass back when I was still using LastPass primarily, uh, and it works like a charm. It's great, but Google Authenticator um, is—it's a strong enough option. But the other problem with it—I mean, one, yeah, it's your you're using your phone. You always have your phone on you. You know where that is. But if something happens to your phone, you have to wipe your phone. You forget to remove the authenticator before it resets or something like that. You're kind of stuck. So um, it just depends. It depends on on whether that convenience is worth trying something different, you know, for you. All right. Cool. So we'll put links to, we'll put a link to Alan's guide, uh, on building a hack proof system with LastPass, uh, in, into the show notes for this episode. So you can go check that out there. Our next question comes from a voicemail and I don't think it's going to be playable for the live crowd, but we will have it in the audio version of the podcast. Here it is. Hi, this is Jennifer from Canada, and my question for you is about the best way to view PDFs on my iPad. Uh, my job requires me to pull up engineering drawings and maps on my iPad, but I'm frustrated with how long it takes to load each one. Right now, it's about 12 to 15 seconds. Um, my PDFs are about 500 kilobytes to one megabyte in size, 
and I'm using iBooks to load them. I've noticed that when I look at my pictures I've taken on my iPad, I can load them instantly, and they're usually around three megabytes in size. So I'm wondering why it takes my PDFs so long to load, and if there's a faster app that I can use so that I don't go crazy waiting. Thank you. Essentially, she's asking, uh, what's a better way to read PDFs on the iPad? They're really, they're really slow, which has been my experience as well. Thorin, I'm directing this to you. Do you um, read PDFs on your iPad? She's using uh, iBooks, but she's not happy with it. Right. I, I sure have tried to read PDFs on my iPad before, and it sure doesn't work so well. Um, Goodreader is what I've had the best of luck with. It's like five bucks. Um, we have another one that we recommend in our app directory, which is PDF I, Expert, which I haven't used. And I think that's more for editing anyway. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more based around editing, but there might be some other readers in that app directory post. Mm. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, but the moral of the story is PDFs are just giant files that the iPad kind of struggles with. Um, if you're like iBooks, Kindle, Dropbox, like any of the ones that have PDF support in them, are going to be slower than anyone that's just a PDF reader. Like, you'll definitely have better luck with something like Goodreader that is made just for PDFs, but it's still going to be slow, slower than your computer, and it's going to be a little clunky. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, have you have you noticed that, you know, it's it's better with higher generations of the iPad, for example? No. Nope. Um, P- iPad 3, it's still pretty slow. I have an iPad 1, so I can't, you know, with things like that, it's hard for me to say, like, yeah, it's always going to be slow because we're, like, four generations past that now. Mm. I, um, I mean, it's not – honestly, I don't read PDFs enough that – like, giant PDFs enough that I know what the experience is like on a computer. But now that I think about it, it's kind of junky just in preview on a Mac, too, if you're reading, like, a 200-page PDF. It's not like, great. So it's just one of those things. <laughs> Rendering a bunch of images like that, it's just kind of going to be slow. Yeah. But you'll have a better experience on a PDF reader than you will in iBooks for sure. Okay, cool. All right, last question uh, from the emails. Piggy writes, I have over 3,000 bookmarks that I've collected and have no way to manage them. Currently, I'm adding my bookmarks to Pinboard, but they just get buried among the 3,000 other ones. How do I bookmark and save a web page, image, or video in an organized manner while at the same time being able to easily visually browse through them? So I'm sure we all have different advice for this. I'm going to throw Evernote into the ring right off the bat because that is what I've been doing. Um, we've talked about this on the show before. I had tried Evernote for years, realized I was using it all wrong. The Web Clipper is amazing, and it, it basically allows me to do exactly what you want. I can save all of these articles to Evernote, organize them inside different notebooks and sub uh, sub-notebooks, and browse them visually because I can see a thumbnail of the page as I'm as I'm kind of scrolling through. And I think on the Mac it even has a kind of a card-like view that it might be a little more pinboard-like. Alan, do you have any other suggestions? I know you're probably going to say SpringPad. I am going to say SpringPad. SpringPad! I love SpringPad. <laughs> uh, but SpringPad would probably work too. Um, 3,000 is a, is a big number, but I think that if he wants a kind of visual way, like if you like Pinboard, but it kind of all got bogged down, then you can get that because each uh, bookmark will have a tile. And the nice thing about SpringPad is it, it kind of automatically detects what's on the site. So if some of his bookmarks are, let's say, like Amazon products, 
then the, it'll, uh, SpringPad will say, hey, this is a product, not just a website. And, oh, it's also an Amazon listing. I'm going to notify you when this um, when the price drops, which is pretty cool, uh, if he wants that. He doesn't have to have that. But still, uh, it's pretty cool. And and, um, and you can organize you know yourself into different notebooks and things like that. It, it's got a ton of categories for different types of um, different types of clippings. So I like I like it. I use it all the time. All right, Thorin. I would go with Pocket personally. Um, I like Pocket a lot. I like that Pocket has native video playing and and article reading and all that stuff is built in just the primary site, so you don't have to go anywhere else once you're in there. And I love tagging things. That's I could just hashtag everything everywhere. That's probably what I would do with my day. I'd probably hashtag text message conversations if I could. But that's what I like about Pocket is you can create your own categories, stuff them wherever you want, and do it that way too. So that's another right. option. Well, there you go, Piggy. Evernote, SpringPad, and Pocket. Look at those. Those are our suggestions. All free right. too. Oh, yeah, they are all free. That's handy. Okay, so um, are, there any, are there any live questions before we move on that um, – are that we should answer um is there a good iMessage alternative for the computer i can't upgrade my work computer to mountain lion but i like being able to send text from my computer so i'm not on my phone at work um not probably not really i use google voice which is web-based um which is really nice i think um not mighty is it mighty text for android alan yeah, it is Mighty Text for Android. I, I don't. Is know, that web based, uh, or do you need an extension for that? Um, I think you need an extension. I actually don't. I, the Dachis is the one who uses Mighty Text. If I'm I know, mistaken. and he's and he's not here. He did do a post recently about um, how to build your own more powerful version of Google Voice, which is similar to building your own more powerful versions of iMessage. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and there's and there's no way to get anything using the actual iMessages ecosystem without using Apple's app. I don't think. Yeah, that, well, that's definitely true. not iMessage. I don't think. I thought Mighty Text supports iMessage. iMessage. Really? I'm looking. I'm looking at the site right now. It is a uh, a browser extension, so you would have to have a browser extension. But, okay. Well, maybe he's uh, allowed to install extensions, but not OS yeah. updates. Um. But maybe okay. So, oh, so Ben, I would take a look at those and see what you can find. The problem is there aren't as many services as I would like that do those kinds of things. Because I'm not a huge at this point. Google Voice is just kind of disappointing all the time, <laughs> even though it's so great and I like wouldn't give it up for, for going back to regular texting. I would really like another service to come in and take its place. But don't say that. Careful. <laughs> Watch it. There are there are eight Google. million different texting apps out there that. It's true. <laughs> and, you yeah, know, but it's funny because really a lot of them are really good. A lot of them are really good. Um, I like, you know, Text Plus and um, what's the one that everybody and their mom is using? Is it WhatsApp? WhatsApp? Is Snapchat? WhatsApp. No, WhatsApp. Oh, Snapchat's a whole different story. <laughs> I know. Dude, I, so I didn't know this, but apparently that's what, like, all the kids are using these days. Yeah, like, man. For no that apparent send, reason. My brother was like, yeah, I just sex. use it to, like, send people pictures and receive pictures that I don't want to store. Like, not even, like, like... <laughs> sexting just like oh like here's a picture but i don't want to keep this picture on my phone it's like i see it once haha that's really funny but now i don't want to i don't yeah. want my like text message thing cluttered up with that so apparently people are actually using it weird yeah, and the yeah. app was out like two years ago and it was like just a joke or we're just all yeah old, man i guess 
got to send yeah. them texts that mom won't see when she picks up my phone and it's like, who have you been talking to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, my brother's like sending pictures of our dog. Like, oh, my dog's eating a stick. And I'm like, why would you just send that over normal text message? <laughs> why would you not make that MMS? Yeah, I don't want, well, he was, he was just like, I mean, yeah, I don't want, like, that's all of his friends use Snapchat. And then they just no, do I that understand. apparently so they don't have, I don't, it just seems silly to me. But. I understand why though. I mean, it's free. Right? But that's the thing with so, WhatsApp, because doesn't WhatsApp require all the people you're texting to also use WhatsApp? And that's the that's the thing about all of these these text replacements is that they require everybody you know to be using the same thing. Which uh, is some silly. of them will try to push to SMS or MMS, but if you use them, then and everybody if if everybody is using them, then all your text messages forever are free, so you don't have to have text on your plan. That's that's the that's the kind of draw in. Yeah, if okay. you can get if you can get your people behind it, it's definitely worth it. I'm sure. All right. Well, that's probably not what you want to hear, Ben. I'm sorry <laughs> though. Um, <laughs> Scott asks, "Where is Dotches? Dotches is in Canada and or Minnesota right now. And if he's away, <laughs> did he write? Where's Wallpaper Wednesday? And whenever Dotches goes on vacation, everyone flips out of the fact that Wallpaper Wednesday isn't here. Sorry, there's no Wallpaper Wednesday this week. Next week when Dotches comes back, I promise. I probably shouldn't promise on behalf of him, but I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll be all Canadian, you know. It'll be all pictures too. of Canada <laughs> that he took. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to our tips and downloads of the week. Thorne, kick us off. Uh, yes, this website launched called How Clothes Should Fit, um, which is based on a Reddit post, actually. Um, it's basically just, it kind of stinks because it's just a guide for guys, but still useful um, for guys anyway. And it's basically just a, like, a drawings and images of how clothes should fit you, like where sleeves should sit, like all the little things that you don't think about when you're, like, buying, you know, nicer clothes and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, why do I look dumb? So kind of, <laughs> kind of guides you through, like, why you look dumb, like... <laughs> Which I have a problem with because I'm weird shaped and I have to get clothes tailored and stuff. So, yeah, me too. It's it's useful and if you're if you're shopping, it's definitely worth keeping around. All right, cool, thanks. Um, my tip is regarding Craigslist and a feature that has been there since February that I just didn't know about because I'm a moron. Um, there was a time. I mean, we've all been to Craigslist. Craigslist is basically just this white page with a bunch of text on it, and it's not really easy to browse. There aren't any pictures or anything like that. And there was a time where in order to get a better view of Craigslist, you had to download a browser extension or a Grease Monkey script or something that would give you cool thumbnails of the, of the pictures of the products and stuff, which made it easier to browse. Apparently in February, Craigslist added that feature to Craigslist by default. There's a row of big purple buttons across the top of your search results that in theory you can't miss because they're big and purple. But my eyes just glaze over them every time. But if you click on the one that says grid view, you get this amazing thumbnail view of your search results. So you can kind of see all of the products you're looking at. And it's so much better. And I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know this was there. But then when we posted this, a bunch of people said they had no idea it was there either. So despite the giant obvious buttons, <laughs> half of the people on the internet apparently haven't seen this. So check out Craigslist's grid view. It also has a, a map view, which is in theory cool if you're looking for apartments but i still don't think it's nearly as good as pad mapper once was um but anyway if you shop on craigslist do it alan yeah so my tip this week is to stop fidgeting when you uh, at least when you are in a job interview because uh, uh, a study by adeco i think i'd say personnel human resources company uh so they surveyed a whole bunch of hiring managers and 26 uh, i'm sorry those hiring managers said tw they they 
flat out dismiss 26% of their applicants because they fidget too much in their job in, in their in their interviews. So the key is to just kind of hold still. <laughs> mostly they That's say crazy. mostly because I know it sounds bad, but it's mostly because uh, they said that the fidgeting that they they would do would indicate a lack of preparation for the interview and a lack of confidence in their own skills and abilities. So clearly they weren't ready for the job. So um, that's one takeaway. The other takeaway that a couple of people in the comments pointed out was what that hiring managers are kind of jerks. And <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to dismiss somebody for just kind of like twiddling their thumbs, then that's someplace you don't want to work anyway. <laughs> It's possible. I, the problem is I'm always a fidgeter. I'm like, I just fidget with everything around me. Damp so it down. Before <laughs> I need to go to a job interview, I just need to down some NyQuil and be like, <laughs> super chill. Probably not a good idea either. Probably not the best idea. Falling asleep in the interview will probably also not get you the job. Um, all right. Let's move on to our downloads of the week. Thorin. Uh, the If This Then That app for iOS launched this morning. Um, Woohoo! And it's kind of a, a version. It's You can do everything you can do on the web, which is send um, stuff from one service to another automatically. But it also integrates with the iPhone apps like contacts, photos, and reminders. So you can have, like, a, if you check off a reminder, it changes something on Google Calendar. Or if you take a picture and it goes to your Photos app, it goes up to Dropbox automatically. Things like that. So basically, it um, automates a bunch of stuff. Yep, on and your it, on your phone as well as the web now. Yeah, so it tries to hook into the iPhone as much as possible, but you still have to launch the app to make it happen um, because of the way iOS works. But still, very cool. I like it a lot. Awesome, thanks. Um, all right, my pick is an app called ADW Cleaner, and it's an app for Windows that's been out for a little while, but we never really featured it, and it's. Uh, an app that was recommended to us by our readers, and it's essentially the simplest little malware removal tool you ever did see. It's just, you open, it's a portable app, no installation required. You just open it up. There are three buttons, search, delete, and uninstall. I'm not really sure what the uninstall button is for because that just removes that portable app from your computer. Basically start it up, hit the search button. It'll search your computer for toolbars, other crapware like that that is notoriously difficult to uninstall and that sometimes antivirus and even uninstallers like Revo don't do a great job of removing. It'll find every last remnant of those crapware, crapware programs on your computer and then spit out a text file of where they all are, whether the registry changes, little files and folders, whatever. Then if you click the delete button in ADW Cleaner, it will just delete all of those files. Awesome. A bunch of people have said that it's just phenomenal for cleaning up toolbars that they can't get rid of otherwise, uh, even through things like add remove programs. Um, the one warning I, I will give is that um, sometimes those uh, th those toolbars and stuff leave things in your like Chrome preferences file, and so ADW will want to delete that. So make sure, you know, maybe back up your preferences file first to make sure it doesn't remove anything important. Most browsers sync all of that these days, so it shouldn't be a huge deal. Um, I usually just like, you know, I like to search, see what comes up, and then manually delete the files myself rather than having ADW do it for me. I don't like it when other things clean up my computer for me because there's always something they delete that I didn't want them to delete. Um, so, so that's an option too. Anyway, really cool little download that everyone should have just kind of in their little portable apps folder for whenever you need it. Good for helping relatives fix their computers too. All right, Thorin. Or Alan, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thorin, uh, go so again. 
<laughs> now, so uh, when the HTC One Google Edition and the Samsung Galaxy S4 Google Edition came out, they packed a new camera app that was originally rumored to be intended for Android 4.3, but somehow made it onto those phones anyway. And so my download this week is that camera because uh, some smart people took it, packaged it up as an APK, and just let it fly for the rest of the world. <laughs> and it uh, it comes with some cool features, like you can change your exposure time, and it has a new interface. Um, it also lets you, uh, oh yeah, it lets you take pictures with the volume rocker instead of tapping the screen, which is pretty cool. Um, so it, it, oh, and it also works on non-Jelly Bean phones, which is kind of interesting. So like it was designed for, for whatever the next Jelly Bean is, and it works on Ice Cream Sandwich too. So uh, we have a couple links to some download mirrors in the post um, and some threads where you can find even more download mirrors because all of those are probably dead by now. Right. Uh, but it's free. It works on my phone. Uh, the only drawback was that it added an additional camera and gallery app to your phone. Uh, so you may have to delete the old one or you may have to choose every time you want to launch your camera. But it's not hard to tell which is which. Uh, they look very different. And also, if you have uh, a custom launcher like Nova or Apex, which you should, you can just hide those apps, the old camera and gallery apps from your launcher too, which is really easy. Um, but that's cool. And so it just works on like any phone. It's like it's not just for for HTC One and S Four. It'll work on anything. Nope. It's ice cream sandwich. Uh, well, so there's a couple people in the com. I mean, your mileage may vary, obviously, but there are a couple people in the post who said, "Yeah, I couldn't get it working on X model, right?" And I, they wouldn't. They didn't say what version of Android they were using or what the deal was. But uh, by and large, like ninety percent of the people I've seen have had no problems installing it, and it works like a charm. Oh, it also includes Photosphere, that kind of Google. Uh, oh Google yeah tidbit for taking like panoramic photos and stitching them together automatically that's they, that arrived on the galaxy nexus and uh, so now you can have that on your droid bionic like me <laughs> until i get something better so cool and so this also this year's little bonus tip that kind of spins off this is we also had uh, a little post this week that linked to a how-to um about how to turn so if you have an htc one or a galaxy s4 that's not google edition but you want the the stock android experience there are actually ROMs available now for the HTC One and some Galaxy S4 devices that essentially turn your old One or S4 into a Google Experience One or S4. So, you know, you'll have to be rooted and stuff, but it's pretty cool. And we, I mean, you know, we all knew that was going to happen pretty quickly, but now it officially has. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that is that is everything for us this week. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will be back next week. Dotches will be back. We'll have Wallpaper Wednesday. <laughs> Don't worry. It will be back. Everyone, Canada please edition. stay calm. Nothing to see here. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. You can, if you like the show, please go rate us on iTunes. Leave us a review. That helps us out a ton because that is how people discover the show. Um, if you have any questions, constructive criticism, whatever, you just want to shoot the crap with us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at, at Lifehacker, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Lifehacker, and at Google Plus at Google.com slash Plus Lifehacker. You can also follow any of us individually on our social media accounts, and you can find all of those at Lifehacker.com slash About. 
You can find the show notes for this episode in the description of this podcast. You can also find the show notes for this and every other episode of the show just by going to lifehacker.com slash the show. The show notes for the latest episode go up on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So that's it for us. We will see you next week.